Hey, hey, hey. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of The Mind of Little Rage. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, shit, I thought that dude was dead. No, no, I'm I'm very much alive and well. And uh, I apologize for not putting out an episode for the past three weeks, but, uh, but I'm back. And uh, I'll give you an update on what's going on. And we've got an interesting topic to discuss today. It's a post I found in Facebook. So let's cue the intro music and get on with today's show. It's been a while since the last episode of the show, and uh, really, to say the least, it's been a roller coaster of a ride for the past three weeks. Um, I was finally able to land gainful employment. Uh, I am currently selling RVs for the largest retailer in the United States, uh, so I get uh, an hourly wage plus commission, so... Um, the, the money that I make uh, after bills and uh, all that great stuff is going to go right back into this show, try to make it better uh, and better with each episode. So uh, that's my goal right now. Uh, but I have been spending most of my free time trying to learn all I can about recreational vehicles. And um, there's a lot that goes into the RV business a lot more than, than I would have ever imagined. And I've basically been working every day since October 29th. Now, um, I did take this past Sunday off. Actually, it was yesterday, not yesterday, today's Tuesday. So this past Sunday, um, we uh, decided to, or my family, we decided to have a Thanksgiving, our Thanksgiving Day feast early and it was really great to see everyone uh, pretty much for the first time in about three years and uh, something that I really really needed and uh, as great as it was to see my family the uh, the icing on the cake was uh, learning that my cousin Jake uh, is carrying on the musical legacy of our family now all of my mother's side of the family uh, have a deep love for music, and much of the members of that side of the family are musically talented. And it was really awesome seeing and hearing Jake play his guitar. Um, uh, instantly, I was kind of awestruck because he pulled out the uh, an orange amp, and I'm like, okay, the kid knows what he's talking about. He's, he's going about it the right way. Uh, but... Um, we, uh, we actually had a little bit of a makeshift band uh, performance of um, Sweet Home Alabama. Uh, Jake, of course, was on guitar. My, my other cousin, Michael, also played some, some guitar. 
and uh, I played drums on a table. So, <laughs> and my uh, my uncle, my amazing, amazingly talented uncle, um, sang lead vocal. And I will say I've never played "Sweet Home Alabama" at such a slow tempo. Uh, but um, you know, you find the pocket and you slide right in and just and just take it for a ride. But uh, regardless, it was a lot of fun and put a smile on my face because. Uh, hopefully Jake will continue with his musical journey and uh, you know you never know he might be a featured guest uh, soon on this program and that's something that uh, I look forward to but on to today's topic I uh, I saw something earlier today on Facebook that turned out to be turned out to be a really interesting read and a lot of it deals with the the state of the music business and part of it goes into the DSP services and things of that nature. Um, but in the past, on this show, I've been very outspoken about the horrid treatment of musicians by music streaming services like Spotify and uh, even YouTube, uh, iTunes or Apple Music, whatever the hell they're calling it now. And this really goes to the paying of royalties and paying independent musicians really next to nothing. And if you're a band that is actually signed to a record label, they're actually making a little bit less. And that's just, that's not a good thing for the music industry. Um, and... On top of that, not to mention that much of the pop music that we hear on radio is produced by individuals that have limited to no talent. There's uh, it, a lot of it is just based off of sex appeal or how lyrically controversial they can be. It's money driven. And what it does is it shows that the standards of mainstream music have really dropped. And what I can honestly say is I do not see the same lack of standards with the independent and underground music scenes. That, in, that integrity, that standard of making good quality music and putting everything you have into it is still alive and well. And also, I'm not saying that all mainstream music is crap. There just seems to be... Less and less integrity. It's more about the visual image and the controversy. And to quote Eric Bischoff, he stated that controversy creates cash. And that's what it's about. You know, you've got artists like Takashi 69 or whatever the hell his name is. Um, you know, he, he, he knows his music is shit, but he's going to continue to put it out there because people continue to buy it up and it, it it puts a black eye at least in my opinion it puts a black eye on the music industry as a whole but the post that I'm speaking of comes from the College of Rock and Roll Knowledge and their Facebook page and these are comments that were made by uh, Steve Lukather. He is a very accomplished guitarist and one of the founding members of the band Toto. 
and I, I grew up in the 80s. Uh, I, was, I was a fan of a lot of Toto's music. They, uh, I, I, would I would not necessarily call them a pop band. I just call them a, a rock band. That, that's what they were. It's just the 80s, you could be a rock band to be played on pop radio. So uh, Toto was a rock band. They weren't, they weren't pop stars, especially how we would categorize pop stars today. Uh, Steve has been in the music business for, as a performer, studio musician for over 35 years, and he really had some interesting things to say. Now, I'm going to quote uh, what his statements were, and I'm just going to kind of break down or, or put my two cents in if I agree, disagree type of thing as we go. So we're going to start off uh, with him talking about digital streaming services. He says, I just want to know something. All this pontificating about Spotify and the like are the answer and how the artists get paid, etc. How much? Who keeps tabs and accounting? Maybe I just don't know. I don't see any money and I have a lot of stuff out there. Over 35 years of making records. Have you done the breakdown on what an artist get per tune on iTunes? It's pitiful. Now, if you are with a label, it's even worse because they take a huge share of that. The breakdown, after all is said and done, for most artists, it's pennies. As many listeners know, I have been very vocal about music streaming services. And this is especially true when it comes to the royalty payouts for music streams and downloads. There is no oversight. There is no accounting that, that we can see, uh, especially when it comes to the payoffs for artists. There's also evidence that the record labels, record companies, especially the more well-known one like your, uh, your, your Warner Music Group or you know Sony, whatever it is, they take a massive portion of the monies that signed musicians or bands get from downloads and streams. And basically, those signed musicians are working for pennies, for, for table scraps. And it's gone so far that now the record companies get a piece of the merch, they get a piece of ticket sales and all this other stuff. So it's, it's, it's become convoluted it's become crooked even more so than it was originally it's just become damn near evil uh but the question that raised in my mind was should there be oversight i mean it's something that needs to be asked and it needs to be intently studied but continuing on with what steve was t is talking about uh, he says, and I quote, too many people make, can make records, period. No catalog artists are made these days. One hit wonders galore. Sad, really. And, uh, you know, I, I can somewhat agree with this statement. Now, true, anyone can record music these days. It can be, basically be done anywhere and at any time. The issue I have with that particular statement is that there are a lot of musicians that make good to great music 
and they go ignored or minimalized. I mean, bands like Sincere or Cream Camino, Shitehawks or Demon Scar, hell, every guest that I have had on this program in the past should not be ignored or minimalized. Your music, as I see it, should be all over the place. On top of that, you should be fairly compensated for your art. I will say that there are too many artists that get the attention due to a look or a gimmick, some kind of aesthetic or controversy. But instead of the focus being on the music, it's on the outside things. Now, a great case for where gimmick, aesthetic, and music come together is is really in the 80s especially in the metal scene. There were bands that brought the aesthetics and light and the music together to form this outstanding combination. I mean, Metallica, Slayer, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. Even, even the glam scene had their share of great acts, both musically and, and gimmickly. I, I, did I just make up a word? But, you know, based on a gimmick. But the music was good, too. Motley Crue. Wasp, Cinderella, and, and the list goes on and on. But there were bands at the same time that, especially in the glam scene, that they had the look, but their their talent just wasn't up to par. And part of the reason that glam died was it was oversaturated, and you had too many too many bands signed to labels that just they did they couldn't cut it. Not that they, maybe they weren't as talented as, as, a, as a Motley Crue or a Cinderella or a Wasp, but they got signed anyway because the record labels saw them as a cash cow. Now, this combination of gimmick and music that worked went well into the 90s. You had the Black Crows, you had Soundgarden and Alice in Chains, and... The good thing is, is all of this took place before the move to the MP3 format. We actually had to have physical media like cassettes and CDs. But now it's not so much about the music, it's more about the image. In this day and age, that's what gets the attention. And I'm going to continue with... Steve's statement when he starts talking about record deals of today. Now, record companies, and I quote, Now, record companies don't give budgets like the old days when the great records were made because they cost money. They want to make money for nothing and own you and your life and have a piece of everything that you as a musician does. You can sell a million albums and still owe the record company money. My 25-year-old son has buddies who have platinum records living in a one-room studio apartment, and they're broke. Of course, back then, record companies cared about music and nurturing artists for a long-term career and long-term money. Sure, they got the lion's share, but when they invested, believed, and promoted it, so... At that point, there was some justification for having a record deal. Now, it has become more common knowledge as we have gone through time that uh, the record industry, especially when it comes to the labels, is really not all it's cracked up to be. 
Many musicians are very leery of record deals. Uh, just like Steve stated, a band can have a platinum album and still owe the record company money. And now that the record companies are really trying to get into the merch, the marketing, the uh, the ticket sales, and, and get a little bit of piece of everything that the band does, it really reduces the ability for a band to, to make at least a, a living, a decent living, or even reinvest into their music. There's really less investment in the band from the record companies nowadays. And I think we can all understand that the labels do need to have some sort of profit because without profit, chances are that the record label will will fail and, and will leave many talented bands, you know, out to dry with with no real benefit or anything like that but the the record companies if they do invest they 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 do need to re recoup the money that they invested in the band but to reduce a musician or band to an indentured servant or to indentured servitude is really it's really asinine now on the flip side of that coin, this was especially true in the, I would say, in the late 70s, 80s, and maybe even into the 90s. Many artists would take the money supplied by the record company and use it to buy stuff that has absolutely no impact or bearing on the music. These artists would get, you know, however much money the advance to make the record and they would go buy cars or they would go buy houses or, you know, they go buy jewelry and, and all of this other stuff, you know, make, you know, go get married, you know, pay for a wedding or something like that. When that, that money was meant to go to a record production, they're using it for other things. They should have been trying to get the most bang for their buck when it comes to producing a good album and good music. Now, if a record company, if you... If you're listening, you know, listening if, and your band is signed to a record company and the record company gives you, say, $500,000 for you to make an album, you go and you research, you find the studio, you find your producer, engineer, whatever, and at the end of the day, when everything is said and done, it only costs you $150,000 to make that album. So that tells me that you've got $350,000 left over. Of course, the smart thing to do was is to use that remaining 350 and either give it back to the record company or if you don't want to do that, use that to, you know, pay them off, you know, you know, make them think that you used the 500,000, but use that extra 350 that's left over and actually start paying off your advance from the record company. I mean, it's simple math. If you pay off that advance or that loan to the record company faster, that means your the sales of your album, your merch, and all that other stuff, you're going to be making money. You're not going to have to sell 20 million albums just to make a dollar. Once you hit a million sales and you've paid off that advance, that money starts coming to you instead of using it for crap that doesn't even apply to the album or the song or, or whatever you're, you're recording. 
on top of that, most mainstream labels do not invest or promote correctly. Again, it goes back to the gimmick, and that's what the record companies seem to focus on, especially, again, in pop music. You've got, you know, Takashi 6 9 you've got Cardi B, you've got uh, a whole host of just limitless, they have limited or no talent, but because they've got controversy or they they stir up controversy or they just write uh forgetful songs you know songs that will never stand the test of time but you know somebody is willing to you know shake their ass or or you know has an outlandish look and say stupid things on a record they it it sells and that's what the record companies push is they push the hype they push the the aesthetic of it and not the music so somebody could put out some really crappy music have a great look or a controversial look and that's what gets them over that's what sells the albums uh but the focus really isn't on the music anymore but Back to what Steve was saying in this, I'm going to call it an article for lack of a better term. Uh, he, he focuses his attention more now on social media and out-and-out fakery. He says, now it's beats and how many Facebook hits or YouTube hits you can get, which all either make no money or short-term dog shit money with no real way to account for it and truly sucks for the most part. What the fuck? People want to be famous, not good. It's too easy to play pretend pop star now. With all the fakery and auto-tune, time correction, cut and paste, etc. Fuck, most young people don't know how to play a song from top to bottom in a studio, in tune, and in time with feeling. It's rare. Now, social media really has become the platform of choice for promotion of one's music. Um, I guess it's a necessary evil, so to speak. Social media can be beneficial, but it does come with some negatives and some shortcomings. I mean, most platforms have become, we'll just call them very toxic. There is no responsibility taken by those who live to trash other people. There is not a face to put to the toxicity. I will say that the independent and underground musicians I have talked to and that I follow on social media are very supportive of each other and really many people see social media as too divisive They're, therefore they choose they just choose not to participate I, I mean i hear it all the time from people that are around me they they don't use social media they they hate it especially now that places like twitter and facebook have been accused of not being the platforms they originally promised they would be it's become a place where agendas are pushed instead of being able to learn different views and come together and share ideas and because of this that alienation of people who would originally come to twitter and 
you know, wanted to learn what other people's thoughts were and, and share their ideas, it's become so top toxic that those people have left and much of the independent music promotion is not seen or heard. And as it pertains to the fakery, there is plenty of that out there. I feel really that it's more so in pop music, but when you look at the grand scheme, no genre of music is immune from the fakery. Sure. Now, being able to play in tune or in time, making sure everyone is in the same key, uh, is very, very important. But not at the cost of losing the human element of music. I mean, that is what a large appeal of music is, is the human element. It was written and performed by humans with real instruments. And, you know, honestly, I really like the ability to self-produce music. Uh, being able to maximize time and effort into making the best music that you're possible, that's possible. Um, you know, not, being, not having to spend thousands of dollars for studio time. Uh, you know, this is especially true when... Again, it goes back to the royalty issue when an independent musician doesn't get fairly paid and they don't make enough money to just really reinvest into the band and reinvest into the music. Uh, and in most of mainstream music today, uh, I'm not just picking on pop, but most of mainstream music uh, there is just a huge lack of integrity. And I think that that integrity really touches all aspects of the business, whether it be putting out good music, whether it's the, the aesthetic and, uh, for lack of a better term, gimmick, if they're you know, the, the, the merchandise and everything like that, that there is really just a lack of integrity. Now, the last thing I'm going to read from this the statement from Steve Lukather uh, is uh, it's a little bit lengthier, but uh, it's very important. He, he says some very, very good things in this. And again, I quote, I'm in the studio all of the time and I hear stories from the producers and engineers. And yet no one cares that so-and-so who sold a shit ton of records can't sing or play. They make records. For people who don't even really listen, it's background music for people who either find to either find a mate or shake their heads while texting or skyping or doing other things. It's environmental noise for the multitasker. Gone are the days of loving, dissecting, discussing the inner workings of an album, sitting in silence while it plays, looking at the liner notes and the few photos in the studio. Imagining what a magic place it must be to make such music. That is gone. You need a fucking jeweler's eye to read the credits if one even cares. Most don't. So if you keep blaming the old antiquated artists who are the only real ones left, you may make a great record once in a while, but may be overlooked because the media chooses to care more about who is super gluing meat to their bodies or other ridiculous hype and bullshit to get attention rather than listening hard to the music being made, we might be in a better place. 
when we were kids, there were only a handful of artists, and they were great because they had to be. You could choose not to like, but something you like something outside of most teenage fodder, but most deserved the success, and no one sounded alike. We live in a mick world that moves way too fast, and now even the drugs suck. I mean, when I was young and got high, I never got naked, foaming at the mouth, and tried to eat someone's face off. It's time to put Dark Side of the Moon on and chill. Have a nice day, and may real music come back to fill our ears. Real music played by real musicians. They are out there. They just don't get a lot of the press anymore. Or at all. We do have, you know, honestly, we do have artists that have very little talent. They, but they get all of the attention. It's, uh, it's really not a stretch to figure out who he was referring to in those last statements. Uh, but it seems that many of the mainstream artists have more focus on the money aspect of the industry and not what the industry itself was named for, and that is music. And music is more than just background noise. It's a feeling. It's, it is situational. It elicits an emotion and a response. When I listen to music, be it Seven Dust, King's X, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Carmilla, or Eye of Doom, I do it because I want to feel what the music is telling me. I want to entrench myself in the story, get lost in the groove, become one with that aggression. Music is a release of tension, sadness, or struggle. And it not only applies to the listener, but it definitely applies to the musician because that's what they were feeling in that moment. When I listen to new music, I dissect it. I let my feelings and thoughts run wild. I mean, I ask myself the question, what about this song appeals to me? Is it the music, the lyrics, or is it the almost perfect blend of both? Also, there was a time when the music we listened to was, was maybe more selective. And maybe, maybe for the better. I mean, I still believe that the 70s and 80s produced the best music, but that does not mean that great music music is not being made today. Unfortunately, that great music is not found in the mainstream. That great music is found in the independent and underground scenes. Now, Steve stated that musicians of the past were great because they had to be. Granted, okay, point well taken. But just because a musician or band records in their bedroom or basement does not mean that they are not great. I know that every musician I have spoken to on this show has integrity and a true passion for their music. That is what makes you more than just talented or good. That integrity, that passion makes all of you great. Now at the end of this, I have just one question to pose. Who is truly to blame for the state of the music industry today? Is it the music streaming services? Is it radio? The record labels? Or is it simply the listeners who are happy to just go along with what is popular right now 
and not asking for true and honest music to be the soundtrack of their lives. I'm kind of leaning toward that last one. But please, let me know what your thoughts are on this. I want to thank Kent Jolly, bassist for the band So High, for sharing that article on his Facebook page. Otherwise, I would have missed it. I want to thank everyone also for checking out the, the, uh, this episode and sticking with me over the past three weeks while I get uh, entrenched into my new job. It's, there's still a long way to go, but uh, now that I have a schedule, I can uh, hopefully put out two to three episodes per week, and that is my goal. Uh, also, if you live in the Houston area, uh, which we're talking... Um, Montgomery County, Liberty County, Fort Bend, Galveston, uh, Brazoria counties, and you're in search of an RV, come to Camping World at 19302 Interstate 45 North in Spring, Texas, and uh, come in there and I'll show you around some, uh, some great RVs, and I'll do my best to get you in one. And the more I sell, the more money I can put back into this program and make it better for all of you again thanks everyone for listening as always support your local music scenes as best you can especially now take care of each other take care of the ones around you and the ones that you love and until next time this is little rage